Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to the TPM podcast, Theology of Plain Men. Uh, my name is Zach, one of the Plain Men. I'm here with my good friends Andre and Matt. Um, today, we want to talk about a conversation that we find very, very, very important and extremely relevant um, in today's culture. We want to talk about um, how to have meaningful and valuable conversations with people who see the world differently than you do. Um, if you exist in the world today, um, that means you are going to come into contact with people who see that world differently than you. Um, especially as a Christian, if you are concerned with spreading the love of Christ, you are definitely seeking out people who see the world differently than you do. Um, and we have kind of a baseline passage that we want to use for this, and it comes from First Peter. So, Yeah, uh, Peter lines out in the New Testament kind of a thesis statement for how to engage people of different worldviews of different ideologies. And remember that in First Peter, when when he's writing the book, he's writing it to exiles, to people who are in confrontational situations, people who are oppressed, people who years later are going to be burned at the stake and crucified. So um, we we can set up our framework in such a way where we understand that this isn't necessarily just a fun conversation that's always being had but first peter three fifteen says but in your hearts honor christ the lord as holy always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you yet do it with gentleness and respect so i think something that's important for us to think about or to talk about in this conversation is just some like general definitions about what do we mean by worldview and how does that blend and mix with one's spiritual life, one's religious life, and with cultures and different secular ideologies. And so when we say worldview, we really just mean a particular philosophy of life or conception of the world. So it's really broad. Um, I would say that I have a Christian worldview. Um, I'll admit that I'm influenced by lots of other values and virtues that are reflected in secular culture, but I think the three of us are approaching it from what we would call a Christian worldview, but there could be many other ones. And so as long as we're defining things, I think it's worth saying that religion is separate as a particular system of faith and worship. And so, you know, we talk about the difference between faith and spirituality and religion a lot, and that's not really what this conversation is, but just as far as clearing up, when we say worldview, that's what that is, and that's the way in which it kind of blends with the idea of religion and faith. So, um, so I think we're going to start by asking, why do we care about this? Why is this an important thing for us to worry about? Right. And I, you know, I think that makes a lot of sense when we start diving into any topic. Um, I know I try to do that whenever I can is just ask the question, you know, why should I care? Um, why should you as the listener care? Um, and you know, I kind of hinted at it at the beginning, but you know, we start with, um, the idea of evangelism, right? We're called to, um, share Jesus with those who don't know him. Um, and you really can't, by definition, if they don't know Jesus, they're holding to a different worldview than you. So you can't share Jesus without being willing to have conversations um, with people who hold a different worldview than you. Um, yeah, I, you know, what, I don't know what you guys think about that, <laughs> but that's kind of where I go and I start to think about this. No, I, I agree. It's, it's inevitable that unless you're in some sort of a, a commune where you're only surrounded by people who are exactly like you, then you are going to be interacting with people of a different worldview, of different ideologies, of different value systems. 
And that's good. That's important because I think it's easy. The easier route, the more comfortable route would be to only surround ourselves with people that agree with us. We want to have the least confrontation. I mean, right, especially here in the Midwest, <laughs> we're kind of <laughs> renowned for being anti-confrontational. And so to, to tell someone you're wrong or that's not, that's not a consistent way to view the world, um, that, that's tough and that's hard and it brings up conflict. Right, like how much easier would that Thanksgiving dinner be if you didn't have the uncle that started making crazy comments about how you see the world, or um, or bring up that Uncle th- Billy, put your whiskey down. <laughs> we don't we don't need to talk about politics at the dinner table. Yeah, yeah. So so it'd be easier. It'd be more comfortable if you didn't have that. But that doesn't right. mean it's better, right? Yeah. yeah. So uh, I, I think one can I just yeah, yeah One other first. part of it is just I think it's a good way to care for other people and to show compassion towards people that are not like you, which can can be difficult for the reasons that Zach mentioned. But imagine being the only, and it, it's hard for me to do, it's hard for us to do, white male Christians in America, to uh, put ourselves in those shoes, but being the only person in a community that believes a certain thing or has a certain perspective, or and it doesn't even have to be ide- ideological. I mean, this is a concept that goes into just even very practical things when it comes to diversity but you would feel so much more seen and heard and understood if the people around you took the time to understand and to hear and to see and understand what your worldview is and some of those more like and it's a very intimate part of who you are it's a deep down thing so i think it's really important also to view it that way and to say okay well it's it's not just the productivity in the conversation it's not just you know sharing our faith with everybody with people that don't that don't know it or understand it but also showing that we care about them where they're at right now too because we're called to do that numerous times in the bible so i think that's part of it yeah something that stands out to me a lot um especially you know i think people are so worried about coming off as like pushy like i'm shoving my religion onto you but the more and more of these conversations i've had um, the less and less that that idea is true of most people. Like there are some people where you're going to try to share your faith with them mm-hmm. or at least, you know, maybe not try to push it on, but, but be, be open with them. Like, Hey, I want to talk with you about religion. Um, and they're going to respond negatively. That's going to happen to you at some point, just statistically it's unavoidable. Um, but the more and more I come across it, um, the more and more I see like, Oh no, people really are, willing to have this conversation and so much more than that i hear constant stories of people who feel so cared for that you care about them enough to want to talk about something that really really matters and not just you know shooting the normal crap about sports at the lunch table um you know that you you want to go deeper in your relationship um and i actually think um there was a video from uh, uh the pen and teller um the Pen, whatever Pen Gillette, that's his name. Um, oh, and yeah. he had a guy come to him backstage um, who gave him some Christian literature. Um, Pen Gillette is a notorious atheist, um, very open about it. And uh, this Christian who knew that about him gave him, uh, you know, some resources about the gospel and things like that. And Pen put out this um, YouTube video about the summary of it was if you really believe that this thing you believe in is earth shattering, life changing, that it 
lasts for eternity, how much must you hate a person to not talk to them about it and not want to share it with them? Mm. And I like realistically, like that's why you should care, right? If, if what you believe has eternal impact, I mean, it's kind of a no brainer and we should really be valuing people's eternity over our own comfort. Right. And that's where the conflict with what Matt was saying, the comfort, you know, I, I mean, in that, in that situation where obviously the scale with comfort and, you know, reputation and all that stuff, all the really, frankly, prideful things is balanced against what Zach just explained. And so, you know, at any given point, you can see where your scale is at based on kind of how you feel about it. Yeah. And, and it's definitely important to, uh, to, to see it from that viewpoint, of course, coming from a Christian worldview, we do believe, and we, and we do see a biblical pattern and evidence showing that what we believe in this world, in this life has a direct correlation, a direct impact on eternity. Now, maybe you don't believe that maybe you're not coming from the same worldview as us uh, but what what you do still ha- have to see is that a worldview is the most foundational part of a person in a lot of ways because it affects everything any data that you're taking in any observation you're making is perceived through that lens and so whether it's uh just a walk down the street or maybe it's the philosophical conversation you're having with people no matter what it is your worldview is affecting it and so you should be getting out and having these conversations and challenging others, but likewise challenging yourself because like Zach said, if, if it is really what you believe and if you want to be consistent with it, you must be willing to get out of your comfort zone and to challenge your beliefs. Because if we do stay held up in our ideological echo chamber, then we never progress. We never find uh, uh, com- competing ideas and we don't get the chance to pursue the, the high goal of finding truth. And that needs to be the goal of all of this is that when, whenever you disagree with someone, you have to enter it from the framework of, I want to know truth and I want to align myself with that. Right. Am, am I, am I good? Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. I get what you're saying. Um, and you know, truthfully, I think we've all heard this. We've all heard this before. Um, and I think most of the listeners too, you know, I think you guys have heard this before. You know, if you really care about someone, you should care about them enough to want to give them what they need for an eternal impact. Um, but like, I'm still pretty terrible at this, um, if I'm being honest with myself. Um, and I kind of want to open it up to you guys. Like, what still to date, like, you know, we've been Christians for a little while here, at least. Um, I wouldn't. On the span of eternity, yeah. Yeah, on the span <laughs> like of eternity, you know, it's not huge. Yeah. But um, <laughs> what's still, the, like, the hardest thing about this for you guys? Like, when it comes to engaging people who view the word diff- the world differently than you, like, what still holds you back? Like what's challenging for you in particular? For for me, it's fear, fear that I'm going to upset the other person. And it's, it's an idea of, uh, I mean, it's pride for me. And I think, I think those the two are the same, the situation of, I don't want them to look down on me because they, they see me as less because of what I believe or that I confronted them in such a way that I, I hurt them or I challenged them. Um, and, and so I, I don't want them to, no longer have the relationship with me that they do right now and it's it's that fear that that causes me to want to talk about sports at the lunch table and just to to have the easy conversations um that being said i 100 percent agree with you is that if you do truly listen to them if you do truly care about them those things that that, that initial barrier to entry there is so immediately passed that people do want to talk about these things people care about what they believe yeah 
or what they don't believe. Those sort of things are important to people and they do want to discuss them. Maybe it's not a conversation you're going to have at lunch at work, but maybe it's a conversation you have getting a drink after work or going out for coffee or something. I think for me, it's the idea of, I, I perceive this responsibility to perfectly represent what I believe and to not have any errant statements or beliefs or so that when, you know, and, and so I think for me, it's a fear thing. Again, it's, it's a fear thing of not um, rising to the occasion of like defending what I believe. I work in the smack dab in the science industry, and you know, in biology and that sort of thing. So it's, so it's, I feel like that has had a huge effect on the way that I react to my surroundings and to the people that I work with. And that I'm, that I, you know, have been surrounded with since studying it in school is just this like super apologetic style kind of environment and climate. And that's yeah. never been what I've been inclined to, you know, I'm not as science uh, geared as I am. That's never been a big holdup for me. So it's hard for me to have those conversations. And I, and whether maybe that's not even the way that the conversation goes. I just don't know that because I am obviously too afraid to even start it. So I right. think this is a, this is a really convicting conversation for me to have because it's like, yeah, the gravity of this surpasses any element of pride that I could want to hold on to when I think about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, you know, the main reason I ask the question is, uh, you know, I feel like every one of us is going to have something similar to that, right? There's some element of fear that when we really process it through and we lay out what what's wrong with or like what we fear or what's the hardest thing for us about this when we start to lay it out both of you just did the same thing where you're like this is the hardest thing for me and here's why i blatantly know that's wrong like both of you just did that so it's it's obvious that these are lies from the enemy right you know it's it's what it is right that's what we're being fed from the enemy that no people are going to hate you when you go and do this and you're going to push people away mm-hmm. and they're going to think you're pushing religion on them and that's that's going to make it harder to share the gospel with them like that's that's a lie that the enemy is going to tell us because it's pretty believable um because occasionally you know someone is going to be turned off by you wanting to share your faith with them um but that isn't a reason to not share your faith with the person um so what are ways then that we can share our faith with people that isn't off-putting, that isn't leaving them with a, a sour taste in their mouth after they, they hear about Christianity? I, I think um, it really, 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 really starts by listening. Um, really, Zach? It, it really does. Um, <laughs> we, we need to be okay with emphatically listening to people. Um, I'm so guilty of this. I do it all the time. I do, I do it to these guys all the time because I love arguing with them. But it's like they'll be talking, 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 and then they get done. And it's like they've asked me a question, and I have to say, sorry, I wasn't actually listening. I was just waiting to talk. Um, <laughs> but that's not how we should engage with people who um, view the world differently than us. We need to understand um, why people feel the way they feel and where they're coming from. Um, I'm that, I mean, that's how you get a solid stance for any apologetic argument. You have to understand what you're arguing against if you are going to argue about something. Um, yeah. And I would rather, I mean, there was this pause there. I would rather there be a pause 
for me to sit here and think about, okay, what am I going to say next? Because I was actually listening to Zach, you know, right. And I'm over here. I'm over here producing the podcast, <laughs> sweating bullets. Andre, please talk. There's too much silence. Right, right. But you know, my worst self would have not listened to what he said and formulated a perfect, you know, <laughs> intro to my next like bit of words. And so, and now I'm rambling because I didn't have <laughs> anything to say. But I think that that's a legitimate part of it, you know, is is like seriously listening to what they're saying and not viewing the conversation as as much of a repartee as our culture wants it to be. You can't win a conversation. Or, you know, you can win a debate. If you're having a debate, fine, that's what that is. But I think our culture and the, the climate of right now frames all conversations as debates especially when it comes to ideological things like our faith and like the way that you know worldviews which are commonly debated and so i think just like changing the framing of these things a little bit to make it more of a, a softer just like okay we're here talking about this we i, I don't i'm not trying i'm not trying to convince you necessarily right like that is i'm putting things before you and then it is up to you to decide what is true at the end of the day no matter what so yeah, and I, I just want to give a personal example of a, a way that I've done that in, in some ways good and in some ways poorly. Um, senior year of college, Michael, another uh, contributor to TPM, and I started meeting up on a weekly basis with a couple Latter-day Saint missionaries, uh, Mormons, and they uh, we, we would just meet at their, their church and talk about theology, talk about worldview, talk about truth and right and wrong. And it it started out, you know, it was really fun for us because it, it was a debate is, is how we did it. Um, and we, we started it with the premise of we will agree that if, if we're shown that we're wrong, if we, you know, beyond any argument can, can no longer can prove that we're, we're right or we're consistent to truth, we'll change, right? Both, both parties agreed to that. Um, and, and we debated and we talked and did this for weeks and weeks and weeks. And it was fun and it was beneficial and it was edifying and good because one, I, I learned so much more about my faith than I did uh, when it was just me reading. Uh, when, when you have a motivation to challenge yourself and understand like, wow, okay, is God really a Trinity? Like, wow, they, okay, they believe, they don't believe that and they gave me 12 different verses from my scripture that seems to say that's not the case. Do, all right, can I, can I really back this up? And then you have to go and challenge yourself and find out are those things true? Um, but at the end of the day, we got to the point where we truly thought that we showed some things conclusively to them. This can't be. This part of your theology, your religion, cannot be true based on the things that you've stated. And here's a, here's a clear picture why. But it ended up just being like, well, yeah, I, I mean, I get why you say that. But I had this experience and I believe it's true. And that's where we left it off because we focused it more on a debate and less on a relationship. And I think that's where we failed in a lot of ways because we didn't have that relational backing with them to, to befriend them, to have that hospitality and help them uh, see different sides of it because rarely are people convinced from a philosophical, a purely philosophical point of view. Exactly. Yeah, and you know, I, d I do want to pause here and pull out something really, really important from that um, and kind of talk about that a little bit here. Um, one of the, the key things you said was at the very beginning, the agreement you had was, you know, if one of us is shown to be wrong, beyond a reasonable doubt, whatever word you want to use, you know, we'll change. Um, and I think what that speaks to and realistically what most of us have an issue with is we need to be more concerned with what is true 
than being concerned with being right. Um, and, and that comes from a place of humility. Um, and, you know, in addition to that, we need to care more about people than we need to care about an argument or care about being right. Even yeah. if being wrong would be a lot of work. <laughs> right. You know, like I've spent a lot of time living my life with a particular worldview and I'm and it's comfortable. You know, I've lived in that house for a long time. I know where everything is. And so to come into a conversation and to be legitimately willing to change a belief because of that conversation and because of, you know, expanding my view of truth, I need to be willing to do some rearrangement of the furniture. Exactly. And, and just as a clarifier, that doesn't mean you don't truly believe what you claim to believe now. Because right? otherwise it wouldn't be what you believe. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. But so you could be truly legitimately trusting and believing and, and having this, this framework, but that doesn't mean that you can't challenge it because if you do, that's how you get stuck in, in specific things. <laughs> that's how cults develop, right? Is because <laughs> yeah. there's one specific way that you can see it. And if you challenge that authority, if you challenge that idea, then you are now out of the orthodoxy and you can no longer, you know, participate in this community. Right. And, uh, I, you can't have that. You must be willing to have a diversity of ideas in any pool of people because, uh, like, like we were talking about earlier, so that those ideas can compete and that truth can prevail. And if you really want to be consistent with your worldview, you best believe that worldview is the right and true one and that will come out to be true. It, it, yeah, and I'm thinking about that. Like, If you're so scared to have conversations because you think you might be wrong, like if your belief in what you believe is that shaky, like there's seriously something wrong there. Like you need to take a real hard look at what you believe if it's that shaky. Um where you you're like, "Oh my gosh, I might be totally wrong. I'm I'm done." And I'd rather not know. Right. And yeah, know? that like that's yeah, it's, a, it's unreasonable. Yeah. Like that's stupid. It is. And I think one other thing I was going to say in response to what Matt was saying is the, I think this whole attitude is necessarily conducive to these conversations happening. If one side, for me, there's nothing more frustrating than talking about something legitimate with somebody and sensing or even hearing them say, well, I'm, you know, you're not going to convince me otherwise, or I'm never, I'm never going to change my mind. There's nothing more frustrating than feeling that because then it's like, then what are we doing here? You know what I mean? I, I guess to a point you can have a constructive and you know fruitful conversation, but at the end of the day, like we said, it's it's fundamental to the concept of having <laughs> deep and legitimate beliefs about the world that you should question them and that you should be skeptical. And you know, there's some severe consequences to not doing so, as Matt was saying. Yeah. So I think as we, uh, you know, we've, we've kind of been going on this tangent for a little while now. And I think as we kind of start to wrap up here, we, we do want to leave you with a few really practical nuggets, um, that you can think about. Um, and I think, um, a good challenge to the listener next time you step out in faith to have one of these conversations, let your first question to the person be, um, well, I, I think first and foremost, you need to, to get to know people personally outside of necessarily like be- before you ask a person about, you know, what they think about atheism, ask them what they like do on Saturdays instead, right? Like just get to know a person <laughs> right. a little bit. Um, and then, you know, after that, before you try to explain to them what it is you believe, in- instead of saying, hey, I want to tell you about Christianity, say, hey, why don't you, why don't we sit down? I'd love to hear what you believe about blank. Um, 
ask, ask the question that way, right? I think that's a really practical, really easy way um, to kind of get your foot in the door of having some of these conversations with people because um, that shows that you care about what they believe. I, I think it's a lot easier than, than it seems out the bat too, right? This isn't you going out in the street and you, you saying, I'm going to go find someone to evangelize, right? There, there, there's a time for that, sure. But uh, most of this, you know, it's, it's, it's talking to your neighbor, uh, who's a Muslim and you want to understand why, why is he fasting? You know, yep. I, I, you mentioned this in passing to me. Uh, can we, can we talk about that? Why, why do you do that? Uh, what does that mean? What's the significance of that? How did you come to that belief? Maybe, uh, you know, maybe your professor at school is a very open atheist. Go and talk to him about that in his, the hours that he, he sets aside. Um, or, or maybe you're planning a trip, go to somewhere that doesn't, you know, have most of the culture believe in the same thing that you believe and go and immerse yourself in that find find ways to, to challenge yourself and find ways to be able to bring up the conversation respectfully and, and honestly to others right uh, i mean going back to to the verse that we started off at the beginning first peter three fifteen, that's the framework that peter lays out for us is that you do this you are always prepared to make a defense to when people challenge you but you do so with gentleness and respect and and that's the key yeah. And I think when you build off of the relational foundation that we've just been talking about here, the other, you know, practical application bullet points come so much more naturally. Listening genuinely, not viewing conversations as battlegrounds that you can win on, keeping an open mind, being willing to change because you actually care about this person. You respect what, you know, you can begin to respect who they are and what they believe to the point that okay, maybe this is legitimate. Maybe I need to rethink some things. I think all of those more nuts and bolts things just have a much more fertile place to grow out of when it's kind of, to follow the metaphor, watered with like love and compassion and relational understanding. And I, and I just want to clarify one thing or, or maybe phrase it as a question to you, but um, just so so we're not taking too out of context, by having an open mind when when you have conversations, what do you mean by that? I think just being willing kind of like we've been talking about being willing to see new points of view to get out of the rut that you're in yeah. ideologically um, and to yeah be willing to um, reconsider your beliefs and, and to like be critical of that I think it's you're good to clarify that though because open-mindedness is just like an easy thing to throw around yeah yeah we're not yeah i guess we're not necessarily saying that we need to have this melting pot of ideologies yeah, but yeah. we do need to be critical of our ideologies right we yeah. we i mean anyone if you're going to be honest with yourself you're coming into any conversation with a certain set of presuppositions of course and you're as a christian we were saying the bible is true and that's the framework so we, we still see things through that lens and yeah. we still filter it through that filter right but just as we were saying when you you yeah. come into a conversation holding truths to begin with of course that is because you actually hold them you know yeah yeah, yeah. all right well uh i want to say thank you to everyone who has maybe turned on this podcast um thank you for entering into our conversation entering into our think tank if you will um i hope that our verbal processing indeed was edifying for you um, thank you, everyone.